Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Meg Clark. So Meg is the owner and founder of Clapping Dog Media, where she is a master at growing organic traffic. By using data-proven techniques and years of experience, Meg and her team help to turn web visitors into raving fans that stick around. Meg is a passionate cheerleader for businesses. She teaches entrepreneurs how they can harness the power of Google so that they can make a larger impact on the world. When she is not learning the ins and outs of the latest algorithm update, Meg is enjoying playing with her three boys, husband, and golden doodle, and company mascot named Vader. So I'm really excited to have Meg here today to chat all about SEO and how to make SEO more simple. So let's just dive right in. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, and I cannot wait to chat all about SEO with you. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Oh, thanks, Jenny. I am delighted to be here. And I'm happy to tell you, you may need to stop me because I can go on forever. So um, I'm Meg Clark. I live in Northern Virginia and I have three boys. And so that keeps me super busy. And my business started, gosh, almost nine years ago now when... My oldest two sons were adopted, are adopted, and when we brought them home, I quit my job, which I started, my career was at a, an, a web designer at an agency, and when the boys came home, I quit, and I stayed home, and being a mom is super cool and all, and especially in the adoption world, because you wait for so long, so that when they got home, it was wonderful, but I really missed creating stuff. I wanted to do more than just play Legos. So I started designing for my friends, other, like, especially other moms who are kind of in my situation where they had a career, they stayed home and now they're trying to do something that fits being a mom and working all in one. So I started designing websites for them and that was all really fun. And it was all like, Oh, you, you have $5 super. I have $5. Let's, let's, let's make a website. And so I did that for a while. But what I was, but the big struggle was that no one was getting traffic. And so it was hard because I was like loving these women that I was working for and their service, but like it didn't matter. So they were investing in the design, but they had a good design and they had good products, but nobody was buying. So it got to the point where I had one client who I really loved. We were good friends and she needed her business to work for, they had major family financial troubles. So I put my heart and soul in it. She has a beautiful white site, a beautiful service. And when she wasn't getting traffic, I dug into her site to really, to figure it out. So that's when, I guess this is like 2011, 2012. And I really dove into SEO and Google Analytics. And I kind of, I don't want to say cracked the code because it's never cracked, but I learned so much more about it. And I was able to to help her like make a sustainable business through like you know all the other things she had a, she has a lot of great things working for her but we finally got Google to send her traffic and at that point I just stopped designing and started doing analytics 
and SEO for people because it seemed to be a much bigger need than my designs. Yeah, yeah. SEO is still like not something I see a lot of people really offering. I mean, I see a handful of people here and there, but you see designers like all over the place. So it's definitely something that's a little more like niche and something that not everyone offers. So that's really cool. So basically you were self-taught with SEO. You just kind of started like doing research and then kind of trying it out on this client that you had. And then yes, that's exactly it. I broke it many times. I got lots of Google penalties, but it really helps you learn. And so we kept trying and reading and learning. And I, I definitely used her site as a guinea pig as like all the other sites are kind of after it because it's something that changes, you know, frequently. So you kind of have to keep on it and just kind of test and see what's working. Totally. Yeah. And for me, SEO is so like, daunting like I do you know I do what I can do but it's not something I have like all the time and energy to really put a lot into so for people like me and people like pretty much most of my audience I imagine how can we kind of make SEO less daunting for you know just like what can we do to make it less daunting and less stressful and less like oh my god we need to optimize this for SEO what it, like we need traffic blah, 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 you know that stuff totally and that's my my core mission um I I fully believe that SEO is the is the is the key that you that all of us like your you, your listeners your these creative entrepreneurs need to take to make a bigger impact on their world their family and really help their business to grow and SEO one of the myths that I'm trying to bash with my business is that it it isn't daunting and it doesn't have to be overwhelming and I stick with some really key principles and say look SEO it could be simple for you and you can just incorporate it into your business you don't have to hire out you don't have to spend a lot of money and you don't have to spend a lot of time learning it so that's my that's my mission in life I I do I have these like this these classes that I call SEO made simple and they're just short little videos on how to how to learn some of these basics so I totally agree I I don't know if I'm answering your question but I totally agree that SEO needs to be um, within reach and understandable and simple for entrepreneurs and that's that's like my life goal. I love that. Yeah, I think that's really important because, like I said, so many people are so confused by it and they think it's such a hard thing. But I think your classes sound really helpful because, you know, breaking it down into smaller digestible pieces of information versus like, you know, trying to tackle it as a whole um, really helps. Like maybe one day, like working on your images or something, optimizing those. And then one day, like actually going in with keywords onto your actual post and things like that. So kind of diving in is Yoast SEO plugin for WordPress. Is that enough to be using or should we be doing more than that to optimize our post for Google and the other search engines out there? That is a super great question. And I kind of want to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about some of these, some of the things that really matter for Google. And when you think about what I want you to, what I want you to think about when you think about SEO is that it is simply a layer within your marketing. It is not something that you put over in the corner and say, Oh, I'm going to optimize this. It's not something you do. It's part of your, it's part of your messaging. It's part of your marketing. It's part of your, it's part of it all. And the, the big idea here and what Google really cares about as it's a business for sure as well. And what Google wants to know, every time somebody searches, they want to find the best result as quickly as possible. And so as a web owner, your job to, in order to, 
in order to help Google is to be really clear about who you are, what you're, ex what you're an expert in, and, um, so, and just to be super clear for Google, because then they can put you in their memory. And then when somebody searches for something, they're like, oh, I got this person right here and I'm gonna serve it up quickly. So I'm gonna get to your Yoast, your Yoast question, but one of the things that I really recommend that users do is be super clear about who you are and what you're all about on your homepage. Say, like for me, I am Meg Clark, I own Clapping Dog Media, and I do SEO for creative entrepreneurs. So that whenever, so it's super clear who I am and what I do is, that is it. I have that right there on the homepage. And I write a lot of content about SEO. I don't spend time writing about my kids or my favorite recipe or my dog, even though my dog rocks. I spend a lot of time about my about SEO, about technical things and optimization and, and content marketing. And so that when Google comes to my site and they crawl it, they see that I have an archive of posts related to SEO. So they've read on my homepage that I do SEO, and then they've read my archive, my content, my blog post, and they say, she's doing what she's saying she's doing. So she is an SEO so when it comes to Yoast, now I'm going to get back to Yoast. The thing that Yoast makes really great for create for content marketers is that you can quickly and clearly say, this is what the site is about. Here's my focus keyword and here is my meta description, which basically is kind of a summary of what that page is. Mm -hmm. So it is, Yoast is just a reflection on how well your 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 idea is coming across and what your blog post is about. So I love it because you can tell Google, you can tell Google via Yoast, this is what the keyword is about. So rock on, I highly recommend that you do this. And you write the meta description or they call it a snippet. Mm -hmm. And what that does is you're saying, hey Google, this is what, I'm, this is what this page is about and this is what I want you to rank, rank it for. But Google is kind of smart and it's going to read the page anyway. Yes. So it, it's really important that you do that in Yoast. And it's really important that what you say you're writing about, you actually have written about. Because that's going to build into this, this trust for Google. When you say, hey, I've, I'm writing about um, how to optimize images. And then you actually go and write about optimizing images. Google's going to think that's, that's really wonderful. And that's the benefit of Yoast is it gives you a shortcut to tell Google what the page is about. And over time, they're going to trust you more and more with what you put in Yoast. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely very true. And I think it, it kind of, it, that makes SEO less daunting for entrepreneurs too, because you don't have to do anything crazy or confusing. Literally, you just like put what you're wanting to talk about there and then write a little snippet. And then, you know, you can see, all right, this, you have enough, um, what's it called? You have enough words in this post for it to be, good to rank um, and have this and you in like your whatever it's called like they tell you that your reading yeah. comprehension or whatever is like a green light or whatever um, and I know it's not enough just to get a green light on everything um, there's definitely other things we can do but it's kind of a step in the right direction for people who are a little bit um, confused by SEO and totally don't have the time to put tons of extra effort into it at least they're doing the bare minimum for that 
To absolutely, it is it is more than a bare minimum. I think it's it's really helpful. And if you follow, you know, they I don't I don't think that every post post needs to be green lighted. I think sometimes when um, one of the things that they look at for the green light is that your focus keyword is within the first hundred and twenty characters. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't sound it doesn't sound right yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. And I'm always going to err on the side of readability and usability. And are people, are your real readers are going to read this? I, I would rather make it user-friendly for your readers and provide a value for them versus try to make a green light because it's just a guide. It's literally, it's just a guide for Google. So I, so I love the green light. It's a wonderful check. However, if not every one of your posts have has a green light, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause you don't want your readers to be reading like actual people, not robots and then be like, this sounds strange. Did they just put this there? So it would rank, you know? So totally, it's like totally. not in mind and keeping that user experience in mind so that, you know, it sounds good to Google, but also to the person who is actually taking the time to read it. Which is the big point, right? Is we want, we love Google, Google's super neat. However, Google literally has people reading for your sites. They have actual readers. It's not all just robots. And it's all about the reader. You want to, uh, do you want to attract the right reader by what you write? You want to keep them around by writing a lot of content and linking it back and forth. If you provide value to them, users are going to keep coming. And they're going to convert and they're going to pay you. And that's what this all is about is to writing for people and being user friendly and writing valuable content for actual people. Totally. So I didn't actually put this on the list that I was going to ask you, but it just came to my head because um, I sure. didn't know yesterday. But um, so how many posts a month do you think we should have to kind of maintain for um, SEO purposes, because I know a lot of people say like you need to be posting X amount of times a month to continue like showing up and being valid in the search engine and stuff like that. And maybe some people don't always have, you know, the time to write every single month. Is that going to be a like a deal breaker for us, or is it still going to be okay if we're not able to put out like consistent content um, every week or every two weeks or whatever the minimum is? <clears throat> That's a great question. And I, my, I'm going to always go back to quality over quantity. Yeah. Like as, if you can write a one quality post a month, that's maybe 1200 words. Fantastic. If you can, if you can do it every other week, fantastic. But quality is going to be the king here. And what I, what's really helpful is let's say you write one blog post a month. Well, show up in social media a little bit more often then, because if Google can see your brand growing across the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, then they're going to, they're going to say, wow, look, they're, they're growing in followers on, on social. They're, they're providing really great content on their blog. People are sticking around and reading the whole thing. Then they must be a quality person that I should send more users to. So I don't have a formula, but I do, my answer is if you do good quality, I mean, the minimum words is 300. So have more than 300 words and <coughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm choking. Um, have more than 300 words and provide good quality content and 
you're going to be like, my, you're going to start getting more traffic and you're going to be like, wow, why am I getting more traffic? Is it my SEO or is it my good content? And the answer is both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really good to hear though. Cause I think some people feel like they have to come up with a new post or multiple posts a week. And that's good to know that's not the case. Cause obviously not everyone can put out a really great 1200 word count piece of content every week. Like that's not feasible for majority of people, including myself. So exactly. that's like myself, right. Yeah. So like I focus, I usually do about two months, sometimes one a month, um, depending on how crazy the month is, but I try to make them a bit longer um, so that they're still providing good quality, but it's not happening like, you know, every day. But I think that's great. That's really helpful. Um, so what about like with things like that aren't blog posts, like podcasts? So a lot of people are hosting podcasts these days. They're doing show notes, but show notes aren't obviously as in-depth as blog posts because you typically don't want to write out a transcript of the conversation that you're having. So how do we kind of optimize those posts for SEO when there's not as much content you know, because if you, you, there's just not really a good way to write it out without transcribing every sentence. I think that's a great question. And I want to bring up one of the, one of the things that I, I like really try to get the point across to my, to users. And when I'm, when I'm talking about it, um, there are Google, Google does have two, over 200 metrics that it looks at to rank your site. There's lots of them. Sometimes they change, but there are a few that have been around literally from the beginning and they are bounce rate, time spent on page and pages per session. Okay. And basically what those mean are if users are sticking around on your site, if they're clicking around and reading your page more than one page, then that's going to be a sign to Google that you have quality, that you can be, uh, you're an authoritative, you're authoritative on your field and that you can be trustworthy. So when it comes to your podcasts, I, I like to have a, a unique page on your site for each podcast. So each page can rank for a different word and include the podcast and then include detailed show notes. Like I think they should be detailed. I think they should talk about, you know, what, like the transgression of the conversation. And, but the key is for them to be keyword rich for people to talk about, um, you know, at, you know, we talked about how to optimize images, for example, but that's a bad example, but just make sure that they are detailed enough. And what is going to, what ideally is going to happen is that the user is going to search, they're going to land on your page with a podcast, and then they're going to listen. Yeah. And if they listen, then the amount of time spent on page is going to skyrocket. Yeah. And that goes back to the core fundamentals of SEO. If people are spending time on your site, they're going to, Google's going to send more people to you. Makes so sense. it's a, a sweet combination of having a good podcast, having good show notes that are searchable, and then users should stick around. Okay. That makes sense. So your show notes don't necessarily need to be a million words long, but just very like, make sure you're providing the points that need to get um, hit. And then if it's intriguing enough to people, they will listen on the player and stay on your page for longer. And then Google will be like, okay, that's good. Even though it doesn't have as many words as we like, obviously we know that it's good content because people are hanging out there for longer than that's exactly it. right. Totally. That is exactly right. And if you can just in the notes, just put like, what is this page about? Like what, like for my podcast that we're doing together, you're going to talk about SEO and optimizing and uh, search traffic for creative entrepreneurs, 
all of those are good keywords. And if you put those on your page, people will search for them and then hopefully read your, listen to it. And even better, if you can link to some other related, either blog posts or podcasts, then people can listen to one and say, oh, I like what she's talking about. And then click around and then we've upped our time on page and um, pages per session. And those are two huge factors for Google. That's, that's very helpful. Cause I always wondered, I'm like, Oh, my podcast, like they don't always have 300 words. Cause otherwise I'd just be making stuff up, especially with my solo episodes. Cause they're only like 10 minutes and half of it is like, Hey, thanks for being here with me. Totally. You know? Totally. I don't want to write that down. So that's really, really helpful. So when it comes to things like alt text, kind of what mm -hmm. is the deal with that and what should we be putting there? I know personally for myself, for my alt text, that's where I write a sentence that is related to the post and then it also populates when I pin for my Pinterest um, post. So that's kind of what I do, but I just kind of am curious what the best practice is for that. That's a great, that's a great question. So alt text for people who don't know is the um, kind of what Google reads when it looks at your picture because Google, Google's a robot. They're not gonna, they can't look at your picture and say, oh, this is a lovely duck sitting next to a pond. It can't read that. So you do, it is really helpful for Google to understand what that image is about. And it's helpful for both Pinterest because when you pin it, that description is there, but also for Google images because a lot of people search for Google images. So it is important that you, that you are specific and that you're clear with what the image is. Like what is the image for? Now, I will tell you, there's a couple, I have a couple of other things to talk about. When, if you have a lot of images on your site and you're not an artist, photographer, designer, then Google is going to take the content, the con it's going to take the image in context. So let's say that you have it, you, you're not an artist and you're not driving people to buy your art. That's graphic. Google, and you have an archive of images that are on your site. Well, Google's going to take the content around that, that image and try to figure out what it's all about. So you, if you have three years worth of content there, you do not have to go back and add all images. Okay. Now with that said, if you're a photographer or an artist or a designer and your business is the graphics, yeah. then I do recommend that you, that you go back and you do very specific alt tags for those because that's your business. And, um, so, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. If you're, if you are a content marketer, you don't have to go back and do the archive, but if you were an artist, I would. Okay. I mean, and then if, if you want to, if you're a content marketer, I'm sure right. you can, but it's not something you need to like do if you don't have extra time on your hands, basically. Well, yeah, because alt images are important for your ranking, but Google's going to take your headlines, your titles, and your content above the alt tag. So if you have great quality content, the alt tags may help, but it's certainly not going to take away. Like the content is, the quality of your content is, is much more important. Totally. Makes sense. Uh, so going back to kind of like blog posts and things like that, um, what about headers? So, you know, what should you put on your header? Should that be your keyword? What should that be? I mean, um, cause I know what I do, I don't know if this is the best practice to do, but usually my title is usually has my keywords in it as well. So then I'll kind of write like a bolder headline. Like I think I use like the second or third header and then write the title again on the post. I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do, but, um, <laughs> that's what I do right now. And I was just curious how to like, accurately use the headlines 
and the different headers and things like that to um, help optimize for SEO. I love that. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about how Google reads your site. When Google, when the robots or the spiders or the bots or whatever you want to call them, when they come to your site, they read your content very similar to how we read a newspaper. They start at the title of the, of the page, they go down and scan the headlines, those H2s and H3s, and then they circle back up and they read your content. Okay. Google has, they have, they have this thing called the, the crawl budget. Every website has a different crawl budget, which means it, Google has given it a different, a certain amount of time to crawl your entire site. Okay. So every time it crawls your site, which they say is every other day, I, who knows if that's true. Um, they, they, they're not able to get through the entire site, especially if you've been around for a long time and you have years of archives, they yeah. can't read it all. So what's helpful about headlines is that you, it's just like the meta description. You have the ability to tell Google, this is what this page is about. And like you read it in a newspaper, you can then decide if you want to go back up and read it. So in the headlines, I would put, I would be, I would not be cute. I would not be glib. I would not be try to be funny. I would say exactly what that post is about. And I would include your keywords that you were trying to rank for. So most of the time when you do a title of a blog post, Google Squarespace Wix will take that as what's called an H1 or a heading one. Yeah. Now that's the top priority of what this page is about. Then it kind of goes down a funnel and it goes to H2s, H3s, and H4s. You can only have one H1 per site, per page, excuse me. And typically that's always the page title. And you don't have to do anything for it. The site will automatically code it as such. Now the H2s, you can have as many of these as you'd like. They're a little bit smaller and they're a little bit lower in the hierarchy. I would again write, I would, I would not be cute and funny. I would include the right your keywords and to say exactly what this page is, what, what it's about. And then Google can read it and say, Oh, look at this wonderful post. Here's, I know exactly what it's about. They can crawl it quickly and they can move on. That's perfect. So for example, like if the post is how to be more productive when working from home, you could also have like an H2, how to be more productive working from home and then get into the content. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And here are my five tips to help me. Here are my five apps that help me to be more productive. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And so Google's going to understand that this post is about being productive at home. Cool. That's awesome. All right. That, that definitely helps. Um, so when it comes to images, I know we kind of talked about alt text, but what are some other things we can do to optimize our images on our website for SEO purposes? Well, when it comes to after alt tags, the biggest thing with images are their size. Speed is another one of those, those huge things that Google always cares about because in reality, if you're standing on the corner waiting for the subway and you're on your phone and a, and a, and a website takes longer than three to four seconds to download, you're going to leave. <laughs> and the biggest thing that takes away bandwidth are the image sizes. Mm -hmm. So it is really important that you optimize those for the web and that they, you know, every template, every, every theme is different, but you do need to make sure that they are optimized for the web and that you are not putting huge raw files up from your, from your camera because that will slow down the site. Yeah. Do so you it's have all any, for speed. Do you have any like plugins that you would recommend or anything like that to kind of make your images smaller and, you know, still maintain decent quality, but, um, not taking up as much bandwidth? So my biggest recommendation is actually to go to the, go to your host 
Okay. And get what's called a CDN, a CDN network. I don't know why I'm blanking on it right now of what those acronyms call for, but they typically are five to $10 a month included in your hosting. And what that, what they do is they will optimize your, they will opt they'll have different versions of the images throughout the internet on all the different servers. And let's say you're in Istanbul, when you crawl, when somebody pulls up that site on in Istanbul, they're going to use a, um, a CDN that's close to Istanbul so that the, the images don't have to go from LA all the way to Istanbul. Okay. That makes so sense. It makes them, it, it makes the download and the viewing faster. Mm-hmm. So my first recommendation is to get your host to put a CDN on. Okay. My second recommendation is I don't have any good plugins. They, there's lots of plugins that say they optimize all the images. I don't love any of them. There is an, an uh, there is a tool called WP Optimize yeah. that will speed things up, and it is worth it if you ha- if you have a lot of images on your site. If you're an artist, if you're a photographer, you must you should do it. Okay, cool. That's that's helpful. I mean, I don't have a ton of images, but sometimes I feel like even though I only I literally just have one Pinterest image per post. That's pretty much all I have because I don't need a million random mm-hmm. images in my post. And sometimes my website is I'm still feel like it's kind of slow. And I'm like, why? Like I don't have a million images. What's happening? Um, so mm-hmm. I'll definitely have to check out that um, plugin that you talked about because I use Smush in the past, but it doesn't always smush everything. It, it really- doesn't always smush, right? Yeah. Like and oh, if these twenty images, we weren't able to smush. I'm like, why not? <laughs> like I don't know. You have one job, Smush. You have one job. I know. Like, do it right, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I used, um, there's a lot of really good speed testers. Um, Google Insights has one, but then GT, GT Metrics has another one, and that will tell you which images are, are too big, or it will really kind of break down why your site is slow, if your site's slow. That's awesome. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes for everyone to go check out. So that's very helpful. Um, in terms of optimizing our website, what are some things that we can do um, to best optimize it? Do you have any good tips on that? Sure. Other- sure. Um, there's a lot of things that I have that I that I that I recommend. And number one, I'm going to go back to make sure that you're writing you're writing high quality content. That's going to be the biggest thing that's going to get Google to find you. Okay. Are you cool. still there? Yeah. yeah you kind of froze up on me. Okay. So that's the first thing. The next thing I would recommend is to make sure, and if you have, if you have a WordPress site and you have Yoast, then Yoast is automatically going to create something called an XML sitemap. Okay. And an XML sitemap, and that's, it's part of, it's part of what Yoast does. And a sitemap is something that the, the little bot reads as soon as they get to your site and it tells, um, it tells Google like the prior, the, the pages that are on your site. So for example, if your site map has 20 pages on it and then Google goes to your site and there's 500 pages, Google gets confused because they're like, wait a minute, I was expecting 20 and now I get 500 and it decreases your trust factor. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that you take your XML sitemap that Yoast creates and upload it to something called the Google Search Console. Now, the Google Search Console is a free thing. You can go um, google.com slash webmasters, and it will give you the Google Search Console. And this is where 
you upload your XML sitemap. There's like, there's not very much that you can do there. Um, there's lots of tutorials online on how to do it, but that would be one thing that I see very commonly that's not done. So it just really helps Google get an understanding of what to expect when they get to your website. So my first thing is to upload that sitemap. Perfect. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I know I've done that for myself um, before, but it was such a long time ago. I, I completely forgot about like that for new websites. Um, is it something you need to continually update or does it kind of go um, every single time? Okay, so great question. Yoast will create a dynamic sitemap. So every time you add a new page, it, it's going to automatically pull that. There's lots of other, there are other plugins that will create sitemaps for you. And some of them are dynamic and some of them are not. Okay, so, so Yoast is a good one. <laughs> Yoast is a great one. And if you're on Squarespace, Squarespace automatically creates a sitemap for you. You don't need a plugin, but you do need to tell Google about it. And it's pretty easy to connect your Squarespace site to the Google Search Console. Awesome. That's helpful. And then another question. So what are some tools that we can use to find keywords? Because um, I know for me, that's a big pain point. I don't know what keywords to use. I don't know, you know, like they say like long tail keywords are good, but I'm like, what is a good long tail keyword for XYZ posts? I think it's, it's just, that's something that I have a pain point with. And I think that's something that trips up other people too. So do you have any like tools for that, that we can use to find keywords and any other helpful SEO tools that you can think of that you can recommend? Absolutely. So yeah, keyword research, it, can, it, is, it feels really daunting. Um, and keywords, keywords are literally the bridge that connects Google with your website. Like you want to be known for, you want to be found and known for the keywords that are your business. But let's say, let's go back to photographer. Let's say you're a photographer. Um, because there's 1800 million photographers in the world, you're, no one is ever going to rank number one or be on page one for photographer if you're a new business. Yeah. Most people who are on page one when you Google photographer have paid a lot of money for Google ads. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the keyword, it, this is where the keyword kind of comes into play. Now, what long tail keywords are, are more specific niched down keywords. So if we take the photographer example, let's say that you are a um, destination wedding photographer in Tallahassee, Florida. If that is your keyword, people who are looking for destination photographers in Florida, they're going to, they're going to Google you, Google that, find you, click on you and likely to convert because that's exactly what they're looking for versus you could be a wedding photographer in Boston or you could be a newborn photographer or you could be a journalist photographer in you know LA there's you, long tails are just more specific now how to figure out if your keyword is good i mean kind of is it popular are people are people actually looking for that i have a really great tool that i love and it's called the kw finder the keyword finder okay it's kwfinder.com and they i think it's 29 dollars a month if you choose to pay for it if you don't want to pay for it i think they let you do five to ten searches a day and what it does is you can type in the your keyword that you want to rank for or you want this blog post to be for and it will literally give you Oh, easy. Mm, you can't rank for this, or this is a possibility. They give you just, they make it super easy for you to understand if you could rank for it. And they also give you related top related ideas. So 
let's say if, if you want to write about being a photographer, they'll give you maybe 10 to 15 other ideas that you can include in your headlines so that you can, again, really focus Google on what that page is all about. That sounds really helpful. And I've, I've seen like other tools, but they're um, all like paid and pretty expensive. Like um, SEM Rush, I think is one of them. And that one's yes. pricey. And I was like, I'm not going to pay for that. Like I would if I was like an SEO specialist, but I'm not going to pay for that as just a regular person. So that's really helpful. Absolutely. They have a free version of the keyword finder that you were talking about. Yeah, I love it. And the other thing that I do also is I Google. Like, you know how you slowly Google and they will automatically, it will automatically fill the search results. Those are most frequent. Those are the most popular searches. So Google's trying to understand what you're, what you're saying. So I would also like, if you're writing an article, I was just doing this for a financial client, like, um, top 10 questions to ask your financial advisor. When you start typing that into Google, it will give you other options. And mm -hmm. I love that. I told, I use that all the time. Yeah. I actually do Pinterest SEO, which is kind of similar to Google SEO, but definitely a little different. Um, but they, they have that function too. And it's so helpful because that's literally how I find all the Pinterest keywords. Literally just, yeah. Cause they don't exactly have, they the same for Pinterest. They have it for Google, but not for Pinterest. So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's really helpful. So any other helpful SEO tools that you can think of to share with us today? Um, I really love the keyword finder. I really love, I like Google analytics. That's a free one. Mm -hmm. Um, I use Google analytics to see pages per session, average time. And then under the acquisition menu, um, I like to see where my, where people are coming from. Are they coming from Google? Or are they coming from social? It's so easy to get overwhelmed with Google analytics. So I try to just get in and get out with the information that I need. Yeah. yeah. There's so, a lot going on in there. <laughs> there is a whole I, lot going I on. I get in there. I'm like, okay, I just need to look at these three things. And sometimes I'll like get wrapped up. So I'm like, wait, what the heck is this? I don't even know what this is. I've never been on this page before. And then I get right. stuck in the rabbit hole of analyzing all like every website. So I'm looking at all three of my websites. I'm like, whoa, this is so interesting, but it can definitely suck time off your day if you're not careful. It can totally suck time out of your day. So I, I, I go back to figure out what those key metrics that Google cares about, have a good hand, have a handle of what those are for your website and watch those and then just kind of get out of there because it can totally be overwhelming. For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. So now let's dive into the three questions I ask everyone who comes on the show. So first, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? You know, I, my favorite part about it is just the flexibility and I, I get to, I'm my own boss. So I get to, I get to choose what I, what I focus on. I get to choose my timing. I get to choose when I get a raise. Um, so it's, it's certainly a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure, but I really, I, I really like, um, having the ability to choose my clients and to, to work with them and to, to be super flexible with like kind of all things work. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's my favorite thing too. It's just so nice to be able to have that freedom to do um, whatever you want. If you want to make a big pivot, you can do that. I mean, it's not the best decision all the time, but you know, it's just like you're able to do whatever you want to do. If you're not feeling something, you don't have to sell it anymore. You know, it's just like nice to have that option versus like when you were working for someone else, um, you don't really have those options. Just like if you want to drop a client, that's not up to you. <laughs> that is up to right. The owns the agency or who owns, you know, the business, whatever it is. So it's absolutely, I, you, I love the flexibility of like how much work I get. I get to control the own, my own traffic. So I can, I, 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 it's not all just plopped on my, on my, my plate. So I totally, I love that. 
Me too. Awesome. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? It doesn't have to be SEO related, but just something that you can't imagine doing your business without. Um, iTunes podcasts. Cause I love to listen to podcasts as I work and as I like live life and I learn so much from yeah. podcasts. I love podcasts. So I'm going to say podcasts, but then yeah. also my SEO tools. Um, I really, I really love being able to give deep insights and for my clients so that they can just, if we can help them find a couple more pivots that will kind of launch them into a new level. I, I really love doing that. And I love, I love helping them kind of, I like to say that I, I help them find the gold that's already in their pockets. Like most people are really close to their, to their goals. They just need to do a couple things. And with my SEO tools, I can kind of get some insights into their audience so I can figure that out for them. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, and then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Just someone that you are always inspired by. I know you said you listen to a lot of podcasts, so it could be one of those people, but just someone who you're always just consuming their content and you always feel like they're providing very valuable stuff. Well, I mean, this is an oldie, but a goodie, but Seth Godin, I mean, okay. yeah. he is brilliant and he has a great book out about marketing. I mean, he has a lot of great books. I think he's written 50 million. Um, <laughs> I think that's an exact number, but, um, I'm currently really loving, loving his marketing book. And I'm also, I just got this book. I don't know where it is, but it's the company of one. And it's about, um, it's about, you don't have to grow and you don't have to do what everybody else is doing because it's really successful for them. So I really like the, the thought process of what is, what do I want my business to be? And if it's counter to what everybody else is doing, there's success in that. So yeah. I like, um, I'm really loving the company of one and all things Seth Godin. Yeah, no, that, that book sounds good. I think, cause I think a lot of us do get wrapped up in that. Like, Oh, this is working for this person. Let me do it. And then you try it. And then you either don't feel good about it or it doesn't work for you. And then you're like, well, it worked for everyone else. Why isn't it working for me? And it's just like one of those things. So that sounds like totally. a really good read. I'll have to check it out. And then just tell us where we can find you online. So your website, your pod, uh, your podcast, your social media channels, all that good stuff. <laughs> Well, you can totally find me at clappingdogmedia.com. And my Instagram is at clappingdogmedia. Um, my classes you can find at seomadesimple.co. So I have, a, I have a fundamentals class and I have a, um, a Squarespace for SEO class. You can just go check them out. They're 99 bucks and they're filled with, jam-packed with good SEO tidbits. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed chatting about SEO with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 104. So 104. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.